Welcome to the Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly podcast. Please listen as Dr. Steve Wood, pastor, teaches from God's Word.
Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that once again we could come to your house, worship you, and study your word. We ask that you be with those who are not here with us today for whatever reason. We ask that you be with uh, Pastor Steve as he delivers message to us. Open our hearts and minds so that we understand and apply your word to our lives today and throughout this next week. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. It's good to see each of you this morning, and uh, uh, Frank has got some updates for us today for our prayer concerns, and I think James is gone, and uh, they made it back home safely, so uh, we can take them off of the prayer list. Morning, everyone. Morning. Okay, I'll start off by uh, talking about George. Where's he at? Right there. He's got a little heart issue that uh, he's going to have to be taken care of. I'm not really sure what's going on with that. A little valve replacement or repair, and you need to get that taken care of. November. November. Get it done. And uh, pray for that also. And uh, Betty's great son, he went through the surgery, Bruce. He's doing okay. I think he's going to have to go through chemo, though. And he's got a long road to recovery, so he definitely needs prayer there. Um, and that's about all I really have. I appreciate everybody's prayer with my company coming to visit us. It was a good visit. Uh, we had a great time, and uh, there was no COVID issue whatsoever, which is always that's good. Great. Yeah. So thank you. Could I say something? Yeah, if you'll be real <laughs> great. <laughs> uh, I thank the Lord that God's answered prayer in my wife's situation. And, but I also want to say I appreciate all the emails that people have sent to me and to their friends for my wife. And as Christians, we don't believe in prayer. We don't believe in anything. Yeah, that's right. And I believe in prayer. And I thank God. And I've seen a great change in Marlene's life since y'all been praying. I, I thank God for that. It's something, I guess we pray for other people like Betty's, Betty's son and Dunwell and then, but when it's your wife, it's a little different story. Marlene has food poisoning, evidently. So, that could be serious, but uh, she's getting better, and we're very thankful about that. Amen. All right. Um, and uh, Lewis, we need to continue to remember Lewis. Lewis is uh, not over his... Um, pain yet and uh, we're hopeful that soon he will be able to uh, be feeling a whole lot better and be able to be back with us so continue to remember Lewis in your prayers all right any others that we know of that we need to uh, mention this morning or that we need to add to our prayer list all right uh, our next song, I'm not sure just what it is. It says, Jesus Christ Worship Song. That's what it says. Let's see what it is. Let's stand together and see if we can sing it.
I think that's it. It's all about you is what I've heard that called. And, uh, all right. Um, this morning, I'm going to begin talking about the resurrection. And my first message is the proof of the resurrection. And we're going to be looking today at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with verse 3 of that chapter. As we think about the proof of the resurrection. So if you turn there, we'll begin reading with the uh, third verse as the Apostle Paul talks about the resurrection. He says, For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then He appeared to over 500 brothers at one time. Most of them are still alive. But some of them have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James. Then to all the apostles. Least of all, as to one abnormally born, He also appeared to me. Let us pray. Father, we thank You this morning for your presence with us. For your resurrection assures that you're with us when we meet together. You tell us we're two or three are gathered together in your name. There you are in the midst of them. We thank you today that we have you in this company along with all the others that are gathered with us today and we thank you for them. We thank you for first time guests this morning that are here with us for the very first time and we pray that it won't be the only time and we pray for all those that couldn't be with us today. You know the hindering cause. You know the things that are going on in the lives of those that are not here today. And we pray your blessings on them as well. Especially on those that are traveling. Giving, giving them travel mercy where they go. Now again, Father, we lift you up. We ask for your understanding. And we pray that your blessings would be upon each one that's here and each one that's listening to our podcast today, wherever they may be. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Proof of the resurrection. Let's think about that for a little while today. You know, as Christians, we make much of the cross. Uh, I should have put a cross on our overhead this morning and just pop that up. But just imagine that there's a cross back behind me here. <laughs> we make much of the cross, don't we? And assuredly, we ought to. Because the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross is very important, isn't it? He died there for me. And we would be eternally condemned if He had not taken our sins upon Him and died there. He did do that. We would have no hope of salvation if Jesus had not died on the cross. However, Apart from the resurrection, the cross would be meaningless. Now listen to what I'm saying. Apart from the resurrection, the cross would be meaningless. It would just have been a place for somebody to die. Many, many people died on a cross. Jesus was not the only person to die that way, was He? In fact, when he did die on a cross, he had two, and I think the King James Version says male factors. <laughs> These are two men that were condemned 
and hung on a cross at the same time Jesus was. So the cross is not most important. You know, as I was thinking about this particular message, people make crosses to hang around their necks, and I'm trying to look to see if any of our ladies have crosses around their uh, necks this morning in, in uh, jewelry. Oh, yeah. Uh, George does. <laughs> That's not bad. I'm not criticizing. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying this morning is the resurrection is more important. Now it couldn't all have happened without his death. But it's more important than his death. Because everybody dies, right? But not everybody has been resurrected. In fact... He's the only one that came back from the grave to live forever. So far. Now others are going to. But can you imagine, I, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about an empty tomb. And can you imagine people wearing jewelry, having a, empty, a cave maybe? that would be empty. And that would be the symbol of our faith more than the, the cross is. Well, you know, it doesn't make a pretty ornament, does it? Like a cross does. So we'll continue to wear their crosses. But when I was doing my Wednesday night podcast this past week, I was talking about the resurrection. This was part of what the Apostle Paul was talking about in his book called 2 Corinthians. That's what we're going through on Wednesday night. And um, as I was preparing that message, I thought, you know, I don't very often preach on the resurrection. Now, I mention it in my messages. It's, it's an important thought. It's an important part but I don't usually preach very much on the resurrection except for Resurrection Sunday. Now you know when that is. That's, we call it Easter most of the time, right? But I usually always have a message on resurrection on Resurrection Sunday. But that's about it. One Sunday out of the year. And I, as I was thinking about that, I was convicted about it. I, uh, it's a greater subject. It's more important than just a one-time-a-year message. And by the way, while we're thinking about that, we're meeting today on Sunday, aren't we? We're meeting on the first day of the week. Do you know that we meet on the first day of the week because of the resurrection? Not just on Easter Sunday, not just on Resurrection Day, but we meet on the first day of the week celebrating the resurrection. Well, as I got through with that message, I, I started working on the message for today a little more in a little more earnest. And I thought, you know, I, I'm going to make this a series of messages. Now, I may not carry through with it, for the whole time, I, I may preach on it for two or three weeks and I may decide, oh, okay, we need to cover something else. But if the Lord continues to lead me in this direction, I'm going to have seven messages on the resurrection. Today's, as I mentioned before, is the proof of the resurrection. And then next week, the provision of of the resurrection and then the purpose of the resurrection the proclamation of the resurrection the power of the resurrection and the promise of the resurrection and then the seventh is I am the resurrection and the life as I said if the Lord continues to lead me in that direction that will be the names of our messages for the next six weeks after today 
seven weeks, of course, counting today. A couple of individuals wrote a book called Growing as a Christian 101. You know, if you want to get down to basics, a lot of times they'll put 101 at the end of whatever their subject may be. And this particular book is called Growing as a Christian 101. Bruce Bickle and Stan Jarts are the individual's names who wrote this particular book. And they list four things that would not exist if it had not been for the resurrection. Now you think about these for just a moment. If Jesus had not been raised from the dead, we would have no Messiah. Right? We would have no eternal life. We would have no heaven. We would have no hope. Now, that is as we would understand those things, as, as we would be individuals who would have those things. And so, as we think about Jesus Christ being the true Messiah, which He is, He had to fulfill everything that was written about Him in all the prophecies. Now think about this. He had to fulfill everything that was written about Him in all the prophecies that were talking about His first coming. Now let me be quick to say, there's still some prophets that spoke about Jesus that talked about not His first coming, but His second coming. Now maybe one of these days we'll have a series of messages on the second coming. That would be alright too, wouldn't it? In my opinion it would. But Jesus has fulfilled everything that had to be fulfilled in His first coming. He did everything the Bible said that He would do. In Psalm 16, verses 9 and 10, it says, Therefore my heart is glad, and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. Neither will you allow your Holy One to see decay. How long was Jesus in the grave? Three days, right? He didn't see decay. He was resurrected before His body deteriorated. He was brought back into that same body and raised from the dead. We find that Jesus did not come back to life and then just leave, just abandon humanity. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. But if He didn't come back to life, if He was not resurrected from the dead, He was not the Messiah. Do you understand what I'm saying? The things that the Bible says about Jesus Christ are meaningless without a resurrection without Him coming back to life. If Jesus wasn't the Messiah, then we're still waiting for salvation, as it were. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you're still in your sins. And you see, I didn't just say that, but the Bible says that. And then I said, there would be no Messiah. Without the resurrection, there would be no eternal life. Jesus didn't just say that He would be resurrected. He also said that we would be resurrected, that believe in Him, that trust in Him, 
that accept Him as our personal Savior. We too would be raised from the dead. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in Me will live, even though He dies. And whoever lives and believes in Me will never die. John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26 tell us. Now this was at the time when He raised Lazarus from the grave. You remember that? Now Lazarus was raised from the dead, but it was just a temporary resurrection. Lazarus didn't live forever alive. He had to die again. That's a bummer, isn't it? Jesus raised him from the dead, and he could look forward to another death. Well, when we think about the resurrection, we'll never die again. We won't have to think about death anymore. Think about that. So if Jesus was not raised from the dead, we wouldn't have eternal life. And then, if Jesus was not raised from the dead, there would be no heaven. Jesus again, speaking in John chapter 14, He said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now I read that from the King James Version because I like what it says there. He's gone to prepare a mansion for you and for me that trust in Jesus as our Savior. And so... That's heaven, isn't it? He has gone to prepare a place for us and we call it heaven. And we can look forward to that as we think about this life being over. We're going to be resurrected with Him and we're going to go to heaven to be with Him. Jesus made it clear that he is our connection to heaven. Not only has He promised to personally take us there to be with Him eternally, but He's told us that if He goes, He's preparing that place for us and He's going to come again. He is going to come again. We don't doubt that. It's assured. And then, as I mentioned a moment ago, if there was no resurrection, there would be no hope. Without Christ's resurrection, we would have a worthless faith. We can appreciate the teachings of Jesus and follow His example. And all of these are good things, but without the resurrection, these things are meaningless. These things have no help for us eternally. Notice what the Apostle Paul said again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse 19. This is from the New Literal Translation. He says, If our hope in Christ is only for this life, we're more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. As He gave that negative, He didn't leave us there. He gives us the assurance that He has been raised from the dead. From the Message Translation, this verse and verse 20 tells us if all we get out of Christ is a little inspiration for a few short years, we're a pretty sorry lot. I like that way of saying it, don't you? We're a pretty sorry lot. But the truth is that Christ has been raised up the first in a long legacy of those who are going to be uh, going to leave the cemeteries. You see, the promise is there. 
And if we believe that Jesus came, if we believe that He died, if we believe that He rose again, we must believe the promise that He made about raising us from the grave. Taking us from the cemetery, as the message says. Today, as we begin this series of messages on this particular subject, we're considering different aspects of the resurrection. Today, we're looking at the proof of the resurrection. I hope that as you leave this building today, you'll have confidence in the resurrection of Jesus Christ if you came in with doubts, if you came in without having the assurance of Jesus' resurrection. The Apostle Paul mentions three proofs in this scripture, and we're going to look at those three proofs today. First of all, let's look at what he said in verses 3 through 5. For I passed on to you as most important. Now let me stop for just a moment. What does he mean by most important? I believe that what he's saying here today is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the most important teaching in all the Scriptures. The most important thing the Bible has to say is that Jesus was raised from the dead. He said, I passed on to you as most important, but I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. He appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve. The most important teaching of the Scriptures is about Him being raised from the dead. Let us look first of all at the empty tomb. Paul is assuring us of the fact that the resurrection is proven simply by the empty tomb. That the tomb was empty. Now, Peter, if you remember the resurrection story, if you remember the scriptures that tell us about what all went on, Peter was one of the first ones to that tomb and he went inside. Remember? Now John came as well, but he didn't go inside first. Peter did. And they saw that empty tomb. We'll talk a little more about the things that he saw as he went into that empty tomb in just a moment. But ever since that resurrection, people who oppose Christianity have disputed the fact that there was an empty tomb. They tried to explain it away. Their reasoning is that if they could come up with another explanation other than Christ's resurrection, then they have discredited Christianity and proven it to be false. Now, I don't know whether you know it today or not, but there are many individuals who are opposed to Christianity. Many individuals want to discredit those that would teach what I'm teaching here this morning. They don't believe it. They don't think it happened. And they're doing everything they can to keep individuals from believing what I'm talking about. So, what other explanation could an individual give about that particular thing happening? Well, we're going to look at a few of those here today. First of all, they claim all the disciples were just mistaken. They just thought that the tomb was empty. Some of them have claimed that Jesus, as He was there on the cross, simply fainted, lost consciousness. 
And then he was taken down from the cross alive, but they didn't know he was alive. And they put him in the tomb, and they sealed that tomb. And there in the coolness of that tomb, he revived. Now, I don't know how much you know about the crucifixion story, about Christ's experiences as he went to that cross. He was beaten. He was so badly abused that he lost a tremendous amount of blood. But more than that, one of the Roman soldiers stuck a spear in his side. Remember that? And out came blood and water, the Bible tells us. He had lost his blood. Now, I don't know how many of you think that Jesus might have just fainted, but it would be amazing if he could have lived after that. You can't live without body, uh, blood in your body, can you? I don't know of anybody that ever has. Now, of course, if you believe that, you have to believe that this is what Jesus did in his weakened condition. I'm told, and I, I know you can do your own research on this, but the spices that they wrap an individual in, and you remember as they wrap that individual, he looks like a mummy, doesn't he, pretty much, after they get through wrapping him for the grave. And all of those spices weighed about 75 pounds, tightly woven in that strips of cloth that they wrap around the body to prepare it for burial. That's, that's what it was about. To keep it from smelling so bad in a short period of time is uh, what they did that for. And you believe that he extracted himself from that gummy spices those things that they put in that and those grave clothes without disturbing them now how did Jesus come out of those grave clothes he came out because he passed through them you remember when they were meeting together in the upper room and and Jesus just simply appeared among them. He didn't come through the door. The door was locked. He didn't come through a window either. He just simply came through the wall, so to speak. I don't know all about this, but I have the idea that material things are not a barrier to that spiritual body. And Christ simply came through those grave clothes and they were left there undisturbed. And it said that the cloth that was around his head was neatly folded and put by the side of it. How did, if Jesus just simply revived, he was not resurrected from the dead and didn't have a spiritual body that could compensate for those things, how did those things happen? Then, in that sealed tomb, he would have had to have knocked down that boulder, estimated to be about 1,500 pounds, to get out. And then there were guards, Roman guards, that were stationed outside the tomb that he would have had to overcome. The estimation is that there were 16 Roman guards guarding that tomb. And notice that he would have had to have done that all without the benefit of food or drink for three days in that tomb. You have to have a lot of faith, don't you? To believe such a story as that? And then another explanation was that the disciples stole the body 
The disciples themselves went to the grave. They rolled that stone away. They took the body out and hid it. Now that was the explanation that was given or the uh, theory that was circulated by the religious leaders of that day. Matthew 28 verses 11 through 15 tells us that. Part of that says his disciples came and stole him. That's what the uh, story was. Now, if you believe that, then you're going to know that the disciples themselves knew what happened to Jesus' body, right? If they stole it, if they hid it, if they took it, and somehow got away from the Roman guards that were there with that body, who were supposed to have been there to keep that very thing from happening, then Jesus would have just simply been hidden someplace, His body would have, and there would have been no resurrection. And the disciples all would have known that the resurrection was a lie. Are you listening to me? Are you understanding what I'm saying? Now, if they knew that it was a lie, how many of them would have died for that belief of the resurrection? Now, as we study about that period of time and the individuals that were living the disciples that were there that would have been responsible for removing the body, only one of them died a natural death, and that was John. Now if you read about the life of John, we find that, that he went through a tremendous amount of suffering prior to his death. You remember he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. The story is that he was boiled in a pot of oil, but he came out of it alive. God protected him. We don't know for sure that that took place, but that, that's one of the things that is told about him. But he died a natural death. An old man. Still pastoring at Ephesus. By the way, if you remember some of my past messages. But Andrew died by crucifixion, just like Jesus did. James was beaten to death with clubs. Bartholomew was skinned alive. Now again, this is traditions. We can't go back and prove all of these things, but uh, uh, it seems reasonable that these individuals died for their faith. The elder son of Zebedee, was beheaded. Thomas was run through with a lance. Philip was hung by the neck. Thaddeus was shot to death with arrows. Simeon was crucified and Peter was crucified upside down during Nero's persecution. Now here's what it says in an explanation of Paul Little's book. He said each of the disciples faced the test of torture and martyrdom for their beliefs. He said people will die for what they believe to be true even though it may not be true. People will die for what they believe to be true even though it may not be true. But they are not, however, inclined to die for something they know to be a lie. You see, if the disciples stole the body and hid it someplace, they're not likely to stand the test 
that these individuals stood for their faith. And then another, this one is really not even worth mentioning, I don't think, but the rumor got out that the disciples were hallucinating. That Jesus really didn't die, uh, really didn't uh, raise from the dead. They just thought He did. They just thought they saw Him. They wanted to believe in the resurrection so bad that they hallucinated and saw somebody that they said was Jesus alive. Now, if you go back to that time and read about it, you see that most of them were not expecting Jesus to be raised from the dead. They were surprised that He was. He had taught and taught and taught that He was going to be raised from the dead, but the disciples didn't understand it. They didn't believe it. And so when it happened, they were surprised. They were shocked. Now, if one or two of them hallucinated, that would be something that you could say could happen. But there's no such thing as the same hallucination occurring to hundreds of people in different locations over a period of 40 days. Think about that. If anything, such a consistent story would be counted as proof that this actually took place. Now when you go to a court and you testify about something that happened, how many does it take to convince a jury, to convince a judge that these things happened? Well, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word be established, doesn't it? 500 people at one time saw Jesus. It's ridiculous to think that all of these individuals just hallucinated and had the same hallucination. Jesus was raised from the dead. And so, the Apostle Paul then goes into his explanation of knowing that this is true by explaining the proof of the eyewitnesses, as I mentioned. Verses 6 and 7. It says, Then He appeared to over 500 brothers at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some are falling asleep. Then He appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. You see, He was seen. He was witnessed to by all of these different individuals. They all said, We saw Jesus. Jesus is alive. He has come back from the grave. He's no longer dead. And all of these had the same, wit uh, same witness that they were giving to the world. And then another proof of the resurrection is the transformed lives. Verse 8, he says, Last of all, as to one abnormally born, he also appeared to me. You see, when the Apostle Paul, or when Saul of Tarsus, as he was known back then, saw the resurrected Christ, it changed his life forever. The same thing happened to all the other disciples as they saw the resurrected Christ, but we see it more maybe in the Apostle Paul than any of these others. He told about his own transformed life as he experienced the road to Damascus vision. He heard the voice of Jesus speak to him. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then his coming to understanding, coming to faith in that one that had been crucified and raised from the dead. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, it says, Here is a trustworthy saying, 
that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm worst. But, for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display His ultimate patience as an example for those who would believe on Him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Again, this is the Apostle Paul's testimony. Anderson, J.N.D. Anderson, was the former director of the Institute of Advanced Legal Studies at the University of London. And he said that the resurrection of Christ is either the supreme, uh, supreme fact in history or it is a gigantic hope. And if it is true, then he went on to say, to fail to adjust one's life to the implications means irreparable loss. Now this was an individual who studied all kinds of historical incidences. And this was his testimony. This was what he said about the story of Jesus. Dr. Edwin Yamachi, eminent scholar of archaeology, said that the historical evidence has reinforced my commitment to Jesus Christ as the Son of God who loves us and died for us and was raised from the dead. It's that simple, he said. You see, people have, have taken this as a study. They have devoted many hours. They have they've devoted much of their lives into studying this particular subject of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if they were truthful in what they looked at, they had to come away saying, it's true. Jesus was raised from the dead. The Apostle Paul tells us that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That was his purpose. Now, it took the resurrection, but he came for the purpose of saving sinners. He came to die in our place, take the sins that we committed upon himself, dying in our place, that we might receive the gift of eternal life. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, the Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you believe the resurrection? Then you must place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior if you haven't already. That's the most important thing that you need to do. This important message the Apostle Paul talked about is the message that you need to receive today that you might have life. As we stand together and we sing our invitation, God will make a way. If there are decisions that are needed, if you don't know Him as your Savior, let me show you from the Word of God what you need to do today that you might have this salvation that we've talked about. You might leave this building as a child of God, as we sing. Would you come? He will make a way for me He will be 
closely to His side With love and strength for each new day He will make a way He will make a way Oh God will make a way Where there seems to be no way He works in ways we cannot see He will make a way for me He will be my guide Hold me closely to His side With love and strength for each new day He will make a way He will make a way By a roadway in the wilderness He'll lead me Rivers in the Dr. Fred, would you come and lead us in our closing prayer, please? Continue to remember Marlene. She is getting better, but uh, she's not well yet, so remember her as well. Thank you, Lord, for the resurrection. Thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. Yes, Father. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have it. I just thank God that you are God. And thank you, Lord, that we can have faith in the Lord Jesus. And you receive that for eternal life. Thank you again for prayer. Uh, yes, I do pray for my wife. I pray for all of our people. We have, peop we have the privilege to pray for them. And help us to do so. May be a great day today for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, Foreign or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to 
hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Thank you, and God bless.